makes mistakes. Take me, Michael Corbin. I was just your average underachiever flunking out of high school. And the only way to graduate was by taking a class trip to Europe with a French club. Michael Corbin, first class. First class? How? Ow! There's been a mistake here, which led to a case of mistaken identity. Walk quickly, they already know you're here. Hey, what are you doing? Mary Richards and British intelligence. They turned me into a secret agent. Well, just who do you think I am? Michael Corbin, deep cover agent for the CIA. Michael Corbin, French class reject. Suddenly, I'm filling someone else's shoes. They'll adhere to any surface. And driving the company car. Get out of town. I can drive this baby out of here right now. Yes. Piece of cake. I can just figure out how to get the window down. Yeah, funk driver's ed, too. I'm not complaining. They're gorgeous women. Bonsoir, Monsieur Colvin. Uh, boner. Swatter. <laughs> there can be no more mistakes. Kill him. Dangerous men. Now, all I have to do is rescue a beautiful girl. We're all gonna die! No, Corbin's here. That's what I mean! Save Europe. We graduate high school. Who are you with? The French Club. Hey, no problem. Richard Grieco, if looks could kill. If looks could kill, you would be an Uzi or a shotgun. Bang! What's up with that thing? I want to know. How does it hang? Straight up, wait up, hold up. It's the Pool Scene Podcast. I'm Agent Kevin with my talented co-host, Agent James. Hey. I'm excited about this one. You've been talking about this for quite a couple seasons. Now. I watched this movie a million times on cable television, and I'm very excited to cover the episode. We're nearing 100 episodes. Almost there. Almost there, folks. And we haven't done a Bond movie yet. We're still not doing a Bond movie, <laughs> but yet this week's movie is my favorite Bond movie. I don't know. You figure it out. Yeah, it's not official Bond canon. We are discussing 1991's If Looks Could Kill, directed by William Deere. Directly before this one, Deere directed Harry and the Hendersons. Two films later, he directed Disney's Angels in the Outfield. Those are probably the only ones that would make the highlights. However, much more interesting is that the script was originally written by Fred Decker. I think I needed to say that with several exclamation points. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Fred Decker has written tons of great stuff, but he's known for directing Night of the Creeps, The Monster Squad, and Robocop 3, which I know Jim loves. I never knew that Fred Decker wrote this, so now it sort of makes sense that I sincerely love this movie. That's why. Because I really like Fred Decker. Except RoboCop 3. Love RoboCop 3. Has <laughs> anybody ever said they love the Robert John Burke, RoboCop in charge? He's basically a superintendent of a building. I have a uh, cardboard cutout of, what's his name, Richard Stanley Death. <laughs> Wait, what? The guy who plays RoboCop 3. Robert John Burke. There you go, Robert John Burke. I have a cardboard cutout and it says, Dear Kevin, RoboCop 3. <laughs> Kevin, dot, 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 RoboCop 3, question mark, question mark, thank you. Uh, yes, uh, no, I don't have that, actually. Decker's idea was originally intended to be 
Michael Anthony Hall from John Hughes movies. Anthony Michael Hall. What did I say? Michael Anthony Hall. <laughs> okay, let me do this whole the thing. The bassist now. from Fan Halen. <laughs> okay. I'll just rub a three talk as we all screwed up. <laughs> I was excited for this, and see, now Jim is completely coming unglued. I can just see Michael Anthony. <laughs> this is, I think, this might be Jim's uh, now ascended to number one with you laughing. Oh, God. Decker's script was originally named Teen Agent. Oh. Really original. Teen Agent. I like Teen Agent. The movie actually was released in the UK as Teen Agent. And again, Decker's idea was originally to blend Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> <laughs> from John Hughes movies. Not editing any of this. No, out. please don't. <laughs> with so a James Bond adventure, especially written with him in mind, the studio had it rewritten for Richard Grieco. Nice. I, I mean, I don't think this is uh, the only time in anyone's life that anything has been written specifically for Richard Grieco. Richard Grieco, to me, also, if you had a Richard Grieco, Dan Cortez movie, yeah. the world would explode. It was Richard Grieco's feature film debut, but he was coming off 21 Jump Street and its spinoff series named for his character, Booker. I didn't know they did a spinoff series. I didn't either, but I found that out wow, in researching okay. this. Here's the tagline for If Looks Could Kill. He's having the adventure of someone else's life. Kind of like it. Yeah, it's basic, but still, it's, it gets to the point. We've had so many bad ones. We've now had a couple good ones in yes. a row. Let's find out how well that tagline worked with moviegoers. Jim, give us budget, box office, news, and number ones at time of release for If Looks Could Kill. From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. If looks could kill came out. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, seriously, imagine if this was like a Van Halen picture. They I were can, like, I can see the poster of this movie. He's laying on the hood of that Lotus and it's Michael Anthony from Van Halen. Ah, if looks could kill came out March 15th, 1991. And here's the thing. I could not for the life of me find what the budget of this movie was. That's fine. However, the opening weekend, it made $2.2 million its opening weekend, finished 10th, ended up making only $7.8 million. Aye. So, ooh. Ended up profitable, unlike Moonfall. <laughs> well, I bet if you did the inflation adjustment, it probably made more money than Moonfall. Exactly. Blockbuster Video gave us the best movie rentals of the week of March 15th, 1991, and they are... All the hits, all the Days of Thunder that we covered. All right. Pump up the volume that, that we, we covered. covered. And Ghost. That we All covered. Wow. Covered. Dominated the top rentals at Blockbuster Video. Well, if Blockbuster <laughs> still existed, you did a Vince Neil thing there. If Blockbuster still existed, they could gladly sponsor our podcast. Well, there's that one the Blockbuster. One. Do they want to sponsor us? That'd be great. I would appreciate it. And of course, the top toys were the Super Nintendo. There's that over there. I just love all the new things Kmart has here. Oh, I can see that. So that's the new Super Nintendo Entertainment System. What about it? 
They say it has 16-bit technology, whatever that means. Oh, I see. What else do they say? That it has 3D graphics and digital stereo sound, and that Super Mario World is included. Okay, okay, we'll get it for them. So, how long did he work on you? About two weeks. Hmm. WWF Tonka Wrestling Buddies. Henry, will you please see what those boys are up to? Introducing WWF Wrestling Buddies. Wrestling Buddies from Tonka. Honk em, bop em. Wrestling Buddies are looking for action. Hey, fellas, what's going on? Nothing, Dad. Drop Who do you think you are? Dad's Hogan. Wrestling hey, Buddies want to be your buddies. Henry, what's going on up there? Nothing, dear. WWF Wrestling Buddies, new from Tonka. Yeah, the next bitch is at your house. Which, what I wouldn't give to have Those an ultimate... Those are Tonka? Those are Tonka oh, made, cool. which is crazy. What I wouldn't give to have a warrior one. I really want an ultimate warrior one. And the Technodrome. The turtles are assaulting the Technodrome. Insider, the Foot Clan's weapon storage chamber. Krang's laboratory. And Shredder's master control room. Huh? Turtles? Oh, they've been spotted. Now they'll have to watch out for the ice spy radar. That hit news pit. The spike back door. Turtle soup time. Oh, no. An ooze scanner. A brain scratch. And mutant manacles. Can Leonardo rescue them? Sure hope so. Playset, figures, and ooze, each sold separately from Playmates. Were your top toys. Did you have any wrestling buddies? I had Warrior. I had and I had a Hogan. I had Warrior and Hogan, but for some reason, Warrior was like so stuffed he was bursting at the seams. Really? And Hogan was like a floppy bag. I remember my mom would wash my wrestling buddies. And I remember one I think the arm of the Hogan ripped off because I was learning how to do arm bars and shit. (laughs) That worked out real well. In the news. In real life news, Latvia and Estonia vote to become independent of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. And as the news is happening right now, Kevin, Putin is trying to bring back the USSR, that fucking prick. Also in this country around this time in 1991, one of Kevin's biggest collectibles, Operation Desert Storm cards, the Gulf War ends. Yeah. Finally, Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf came home. It was just a conflict, not a war, or was it a war? It was Operation Desert Shield, then it became Operation Desert Storm, and then it was also the Gulf War. So it was okay. basically, I mean, if you want to really dot the T's across the eye, it's kind of a police action. Yeah. Big fucking shocker I feel like there. I, I think I started to feel old when I started seeing like jackets with like Gulf War veteran, and then now yeah. you see like you Afghanistan, know, Afghanistan, Iraq. And yeah. And it's like, man, I'm old. I'm washed. How bad is that, man? Jesus, God. Time flies. And and one thing that doesn't fly is the age of our music correspondent, Kurt Loader, MTV News. What up? Hi, I'm Kurt Loader with an MTV News Brief. Michael Janet. Michael Janet. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Janet. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson, brother and sister, both signed amazingly big album deals. Michael Jackson signed a $40 million three album deal and Janet Jackson signed a $65 million six album deal respectively. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And in sports, George, what do you think about Van Halen? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the Sports Machine. My buddy, Ayrton Senna breaks through and finally wins his home Grand Prix as he wins the Grand Prix of Brazil at Interlagos. He was Brazilian? He was Brazilian. Oh, I didn't you didn't know, know that? I, no. 
Bo Jackson, one of the probably the best two sports athletes of all time, bar none, was put on waivers at this time by the Kansas City Royals. Everybody can remember last week we covered the first USFL game with TJ. If you guys haven't checked out our episode of Trading Places, check it out. Thank you to all that downloaded, subscribed, loved you guys. This week, at this time, the first World League of American football games happen. London beat Frankfurt 24 to 11. Sacramento beat Raleigh Durham. 9 to 3 and Montgomery beats Birmingham 20 to 5. Okay, we had the Rain Fire, Rhine Fire, Rhine Fire, Frankfurt Galaxy, okay. Scottish Claymores, uh-huh. Barcelona, uh, Barcelona Dragons. Yeah. Oh, what was Birmingham? Birmingham. Crap, I can't remember. I don't know. I can't remember them. Man, we are washed because I re- remember those sports cards and I, I remember, You yeah. remember collecting the cards? Mm-hmm. You're like, man, this World League is going to be a big thing. <laughs> no. Not at all. I think I got the football it far more with some Shasta Cola. The number one TV show of this week, ironically enough, one of the stars of the movie also was on a TV show. Robert Rees, Cheers. Okay. Was number one. The number one movie in America. Silence of the Lambs. And it. So Silence of the Lambs is so interesting because it was released by Orion Pictures in February, which is usually means we're not expecting awards if we put our movie in January, February, because it was released in February and then the following year won the big five. So best picture, best director, screenplay, actor, actress, I think was what it was. And it was a horror movie. So like scary all around super weird that it, that it won Oscars out of nowhere, basically. And Brian Cox's Buffalo Bill, one of the bests. Speaking of Brian Cox, the number one song in America, Someday by Mariah Carey. Yeah, Mariah Carey. I mean, if you look back on all the episodes we've done so far, I believe this would be episode number 94. Mariah Carey's had the number one song for a lot of weeks over so many years. Mariah, one of the best of all time. And that's all that was going on March 15th, 1991. So a little correction. Ted Levine was actually Buffalo Bill. Why did I say Brian Cox? I don't because know. Because they look eerily similar. Yeah. Yeah, They. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, Ted Levine's in like all kinds of crazy seen stuff. Super Troopers too. That was Brian Cox. That was Cox. Brian Cox. Jesus yeah. Christ. So Roger Ebert gave If Looks Could Kill three out of four stars. He initially thought it was a bad hey. it was a bad film, but eventually he decided the film's over-the-top goofiness was intentional and saw it as a subversion of the spy film formula rather than an incompetent ripoff. How so, else could it not be intentional? Exactly. Like at first he was like Areola Canasta. Yeah, he thought this was a legit movie. And did not understand that this was like a parody. This whole movie is a coincidence. Rita Kempley of the Washington Post called it insipid, tiresome, and full of gross kids. Where are all the gross kids in this movie? They're all jammed on a bus throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Well, let's peek into the plot and find out. Nasty business. I wonder how it happened. The ticket, it it had my name on it. Oh, of course. I I didn't want to sit there. Well, what else could you do? Nothing. I was just minding my own business, honest. You're lucky to be alive. You know, if this was Spain with their security, they'd have killed you for sure. Our story begins in Detroit, Michigan, whoop whoop, with 18-year-old, probably Fago enthusiast, slacker Michael Corbin, who spends all of his time partying, dude, and definitely not going 
to French class. Oh, that son of a bitch. Well, the way that that works is that he can't graduate without that French credit. I don't know what to say, you know? Don't know what to say? I'll tell you what to say. How about, sorry, mom and dad, I would like to have graduated high school, but I couldn't really fit it into my dating and partying schedule, huh? Or how about, sorry, but I was too busy doing jack shit instead of going to my French class. Herb, take a pill. To make up the credit, he must go to France. France, we come from France. With the French club to earn credit as a summer school equivalent and graduate late. You had those kids at school, right, who graduated in the summer, they didn't walk at graduation? No, they didn't at all. However, at the airport, there is another Michael Corbin who's also on his Ironically. way to France. Come on. This one is a CIA agent, or I should say was, because he's killed by an assassin named Ilsa Grunt. <laughs> Mischlowski. The de facto mom of villain Augustus Storenko. Corbin is alive. There was no way to have known. The Americans sent two agents to the airport, both by the name of Michael Corbin. We simply killed the wrong one. Don't underestimate the Americans, Grunt. We're not dealing with a common British agent, soft and old. This is Corbin, Michael Corbin. He's a new breed, unorthodox, unpredictable, fascinating. We cannot deal with him in our usual manner. However disagreeable, we must sink to his level. Starenko's master villain plot or plan is that he wants to steal all of the gold in Europe and replace it with his own coin currency. Cool plan, Scorpion guy. Yeah, I don't think so. Agent Corbin's identity is strictly classified, so he is mistaken for high school Michael Corbin. After being upgraded to first class, high school Michael Corbin is whisked away from the French club trip upon landing by British intelligence. Corbin tries to tell them they've made a mistake, but after it falls on deaf ears, he decides to give the spy life a try. Basically, they were like, here's this, here's your plan, this is what we need you for, and then they're like, here's your card. He's like, this is my car? The car basically was, And then yeah. he's like, I am Michael Corbin. Here, look, look, I mean, check this out. Here's my, here's my driver's license, my school ID, my fake ID. Listen, listen, I got a great idea. Why don't we track down Mrs. Gober, my French teacher? I mean, she'll tell you I'm- Your car. Michael Corbin, deep cover operative for the CIA. He's a Michael Corbin, not the Michael oh, Corbin. That's true. So that wears off quickly when he realizes the type of people he's up against. Meanwhile, his teacher and classmates have been captured and are being held hostage by Storenko. Corbin ends up saving the day along with Europe's gold. Storenko dies in the process and Michael Corbin, the high school student, is given his French credit. Michael, Michael, do something. French teacher, she's with me. You've got the credit! And uh, take my advice. Don't piss her off. That's how you do it. The hard way. Murder and intrigue. Yes. Let's move into characters. Richard Grieco as Michael Corbin. Linda Hunt as Ilsa Grunt. Ooh, that rhymes. <laughs> nice. Roger Rees as Augustus Storenko, a leader of the European economic community. <laughs> so elaborate. Yes. Robin Bartlett as Patricia Grober. Gabriel Anwar as Mariska Blade. Geraldine James as Vendetta Galante. These names are the best. Michael Silberry as Derek Richardson. Tom Rock as Ziegsfeld. He's pretty cool. Ziegsfeld is a dumb Terminator. That's Carol, all he is. Carol Davis as Ariola Canasta. 
Augusta. Now, Jim, you sent me some some information or told me like that this Carol Davis is is pretty interesting and fascinating. Quick background. In 78, she posed for Playboy. In 80, she posed for Penthouse. She was Penthouse Pet of the Month in January 80 and run up for Pet of the Year in 81. So she was in a James Cameron movie, Piranha 2. She was in a couple other movies. She was also Roxy Shield, which I remember her from, from Mannequin. She had a couple guest appearances. In 1989, she signed with Warner Brother Records released her first album, Heart of Gold, which was produced by Nile Rodgers. Very, very popular. Her single, Serious Money, a cover of the OJ's hit for the love of money, was a dance hit. And the video was number one and became the theme song to the hip-hop music video show Rap City on BET. That's fucking unbelievable. Oh, there is more. As a songwriter, she signed a publishing deal with MCA. In Europe, she signed on with Sony France. She met Prince in the 80s, and the two developed a friendship, culminating in Davis co-writing Prince's single, Slow Love, for his Grammy Award-nominated album, Sign of the Times. Unbelievable. She recorded her own version of the song for Warner Brothers Records, but subsequently left the label in 93. She's run the game. Well, and I like that, obviously, she has a sense of humor because she plays someone named Ariola Canasta. How crazy. Good Lord. The last one I want to mention, something I had no visibility of as a kid. Roger Daltrey as Blade. Mr. Renko. Mr. Blade, I suggest you leave before you start an international incident. You mean like the one you're planning? If this is a business call, you'll need an appointment. Maybe next time. There will be no next time. Yeah. The singer of The Who. Well, in the movie, he's not Blade, the singer of The Who. Roger Daltrey is the singer of The Who. And he was in there for maybe, what, three minutes? He sucks. He's the worst agent. Horrible. I had no idea. And then I, I'm pretty sure that when this movie ends and the credits hit, Roger Daltrey is the first name that comes up, if it I'm is. not mistaken. It is. All right, so which actor or actress gives a past performance? Uh, you might have already said yours with uh, Carol Davis. Does any non-lead character steal scenes? Actually, it was not Ariola Canasta. It's the French teacher, Mrs. Grover. Yeah. The French police have forwarded your call to the English speaking below. Oh, thank goodness. We are fully apprised of the situation. It would be best if you just forgot whatever it is you thought you saw. How can I? We are talking about Michael Corbin. Mrs. Grober, are you sure you're completely aware of the full import of this situation? Of course I am. I am the French teacher. God, I'm going to kill that kid. Oh, that won't be a problem for your linguistic services. But at this point, Corbin will just have to go it alone. Well, then somebody must call home. You must call his mother. Mrs. Grober, do you know mother? I certainly do. And, and, despite what you are saying, if I don't have Michael Corbin in my possession by the end of this week, she is going to be one very unhappy lady. Is that a threat, Mrs. Grober? French teachers do not threaten, monsieur. They say, see She's fucking awesome. She goes through this character arc. And everybody excuse me by saying how great character arcs are in this movie because it's a slapstick movie. But she goes from, you're not going to graduate, Michael, until you come on this French trip with us and learn how to speak French the entire time, too. At the end of the movie, she's ripping off a piece of clothing, putting it on as a headband, and she's killing motherfuckers. The French teacher, by the time this movie ends, is awesome and i can only assume that the cia would want the french teacher as well yes she's awesome right it's pretty that whole story arc is pretty interesting yes. so uh, a couple of things to mention you know you said a lot about you know carol davis great as ariel canasta yeah david McElrath, who played agent michael corbin the cia agent michael it's mother hello mother honey i can barely hear you repeat please listen michael i forgot to tell you 
pick up an extra bottle of Chanel when you go shopping? Grandma will want one, too. Chanel, shopping, Grandma? That's right. And try to get some sleep on the plane, Michael. You sound tense. Uh, I will. Bye, honey. I'll miss you, sweetheart. This dude acted from 1977 to 2000, but he has like eight or ten acting credits total. It's very selective. It's really weird. And then... Unlike uh, Bruce Willis. Jerry Mendocino as Herb Corbin. Afraid I still don't believe this one. Oh, dear. This was the only way. I think we're very, very lucky. Lucky? Lucky? Yeah, I feel damn privileged to send my son to Europe for only 300 plus dollars a day. He looks just like Richard Grieco. They did such a good job casting. Perfect. A funny thing you said about Bruce Willis, the opposite. Nicolas Cage, there's like a feud between Nicolas Cage and Bruce Willis because Nicolas Cage says that when he does VOD movies, he said he paid off everything with VOD movies, but he gives his all in every one. He shows up researched, ready to act, and gives his all. He says that Bruce Willis, when he does VOD movies, he mails it in. Well, it's obvious because it almost seems like every two months, yeah. a new Bruce Willis movie well, comes through the door. I, yeah, and that's what the gripe is, though, is like Nicolas Cage saying you could do 50 movies a year, but give your all in all 50 movies. But also what I noticed about these Nicolas Cage movies, Nicolas Cage's first build. Yeah. These Bruce Willis oh, movies, yeah. he's not first building no, them. No, he's going to be in Chinese-speaking vampires, too. With Chad Michael Murray and that fucking guy. <laughs> Michael Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's... Uh, Let's move on to best scenes. Find out for the last time in season eight. Uh, season eight, right? Yes. For the final time in season eight, let's find out which scenes made a splash. The intelligent agent who takes the French teacher into the airplane bathroom and puts a gun to her head. Listen, lady, I don't know what you're up to, but stay away from Michael Carbon. I'll splatter your brains all over this aircraft. You understand? Good. And in case you're wondering, I have the authority to do it. <laughs> so after Michael Corbin gets upgraded to first class, she's like unreasonably pissed. Oh, she's beyond pissed. Because like she needs to keep her eye on him. He's here. You know, she's going to make him earn she's this like credit. Goddamn dog. And he gets upgraded first class. So she like is fighting with the flight attendants yep. to find out why he's in first class. No one knows who Michael Corbin, the agent is because everything's all. like very classified. They do a great job of explaining, you know, why they could be mixed up. But they said this agent to basically be a tail and have Corbin's back but when the uh when the French teacher tries to interfere the other agent is only like this can only be bad so he literally puts her in an airplane bathroom he puts a gun to her head and threatens her I love it it's just like right off the bat it's like this is this trip's nuts so my first one... Oh, and that agent, he's poisoned and killed by Elsa like two minutes later. Which is great. But I love the fact that also Corbin's falling asleep with his headphones on and he puts the... Like the wings you would give a little kid on mm -hmm. their first flight to identify him as soon as he comes out for British intelligence. Yeah. Great cover, Corbin. Don't turn around. Don't worry. Everything is under control. You got a safe ride to Paris. Good luck. So my first one is when high school Michael Corbin meets Steranko for the first time at the Banco table. We won. We won? We did? We won. Play well. Mr. Corbin. Michael Corbin. And you are? Steranko. Augustus Steranko. 
that is the iconic scene in this movie. I love that scene because you, me, and any other person in the world be like, oh, it's Blackjack. Yeah. 21, right? Yeah. I win. Blackjack. Do we win or what? These cards are worth zero. We need an eight to win. He meets Mariska Blade. Yes. Mariska Blade. She's the, the daughter of Agent Blade. Agent Blade, the lead singer of The Who. And he sits there and he doesn't realize this is Steranko. So he's just playing it off court. Yeah. Like, he is there. British intelligence tells Michael Corbin, you need to find Steranko, who they believe yes. is a good guy. Yeah. They don't realize that he's the bad guy. Mariska Blade knows that Stranko's the bad guy. That killed her father. Right. He's only trying to talk to her because when he leaves in the car they provided him, she's trying to like... Jason! Yeah, she's trying to get him to pull over. And he's just trying to get his window down and he's like shooting rockets and shit. Fucking crazy. But this is such an iconic scene because it's almost in every Bond casino yeah. movie where it's, I'm Bond, James on, he does Corbin. Yeah. Michael Corbin. And then he puts on, and we'll talk about this more logic about these X-ray oh, yes. glasses that he puts on for a total of 30 seconds. So he's able to rig this game because no one's like, why did this guy put these glasses on for a total of 30 seconds? And they're completely fine. And with take it. them off. Well, I uh, can't see a thing without my glasses. But he realizes after he puts on the quote unquote X-rays glasses that he needs an eight to win the hand. There's an eight. He plays it. And then when Steranko seems a little upset, first off, what are these chips? They're like, big plastic i don't know what the hell they're like these, clear they're so weird they're like, they remind boom. me of like what you'd put like a sports card in yes it's a protector yeah like a protective sleeve yeah and then he realizes it's steranko is like oh shit um, uh, and he gets the hell out of here because he walks up well first off let's when he enters he tries to enter the casino and the guy stops him yeah monsieur? it is very important i must entrees i must find that girl. Oh, monsieur, c'est tout à fait impossible. Vous ne pouvez pas entrer comme ça. Faut changer de vêtements. Oh, no, not French. Uh, Parlez-vous in English? Monsieur, what I said is that you look like a piece of adolescent American dog shit. Dog shit. Change your clothes. He's very French and he says, you look like do American dog, dog shit. shit. <laughs> so then he has to put on the tux. He goes in. He's entirely too overconfident, but you got to remember, very. he's a, a just graduated and quotes high school senior 18 year old kid he's an 18 year old kid like, blackjack i love this game <laughs> and it's not blackjack it's banco it's banco and he says banco and he's just what did i just do i don't know if banco is a real game i'm sure it is it, okay there's maybe all it sorts is. of weird ones what do you got i hope it's made up that's even better that'd be great boner <laughs> you gotta play this audio steranko sends areola canasta to corbin's room Bonsoir, Monsieur Colvin. Uh, boner. I mean, soir. <laughs> a bribe the bellboy. I hope you do not mind. M mind? Like you think I'd mind? I neglected to tell you my name in the casino. I am Ariola. Ariola. Canasta. I have this as well. She sneaks up on him in lingerie. Because, like, he's just in his room. Yeah. Kind of peeking out the windows, like doing what a kid does in a hotel room. 
Ariel Knasta is in his room and she's in lingerie. She's gorgeous. Yes. And she sneaks up on him in lingerie and his reaction is to yell, Boner! But it's also just like a hilarious delivery. She's actually an assassin who plans on killing him via scorpion, which he accidentally launches the scorpion, which then falls inside her negligee. She also thinks this scorpion is going to come to her command. Where you go, boy? Yeah. Here, boy. Yes. So he launches the scorpion and it goes like up on... It grabs onto like a column or Yeah, like a crown molding or something. Meanwhile, when the scorpion falls in her negligee, he's in the bathroom. We're going to talk about this in a little (laughs) bit. But he's in the bathroom. He thinks that she's dancing. Dancing and she's moaning. She's too. like, Ugh. she's like moaning like the fucking guys and ghost is what she sounds like. He thinks she's dancing. It's insane. Everything about that scene is insane. So my one I like, and it, it's kind of cool. It's right near the end of the movie where they're climbing up to get into Steranko's mansion. Michael finally comes clean. Mariska. What? I got a confession to make. I'm not with British or American intelligence. Who are you with? The French club. You mean you're not an agent? (sighs) Listen, it seems like my whole life, I'm always coming close, but I never follow through. But this time I'm going to, I'm gonna make things right. I'm gonna help you get Starenko, and you're gonna help me get my friends out. I'll come up with a plan, just give me a chance, okay? Ready? I'm just a high schooler. I'm not a CIA agent. Yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on, but I'm here because they have my friends and I have to save them. Yep. It's the one scene throughout this whole movie that makes sense at all. And Richard Rico, first off, doesn't look like a high schooler whatsoever. Not at all. He's the most, in real life, Dick Rico is 26 years old when they filmed this movie. So once again, Kevin and I have talked about this in the past. Why they can't find actors that are the same age as the character they're playing blows my mind. Yeah. The last one I'll mention is all the mistaken identity gags are pretty funny. <sighs> so Agent Corbin is taking a call from mom, which is what they call... Mother. Our mother, yeah, the contact at British Intelligence. So he's taking a call from mother, but when Agent Corbin picks up the phone, it's actually high school Michael Corbin's mom telling him to pick up Chanel shampoo. (laughs) He thinks it's code. Yes, and yes, he thinks it's code. And then high school Corbin takes a call from mother, which he thinks is a prank. Yeah. Corbin. Yeah? It's mother. Who is this? Listen to me carefully, Corbin. An operative will be meeting you on the plane. Yeah, right. Give me a break. I know who this is. If you guys are on a speakerphone, tell your sister she has nice tits. Oh, really, Corbin. We can't do anything of the kind. Who is that, Sanderson? Haywood. Haywood? Nice accent, mate. Oh, thank you. Get this, guys. I'm traveling all the way to Paris first class. We'll be with you in spirit, Michael. Be careful. Good luck. When intelligence picks him up in France and tells him he'd be killed if it that was Spain, and Michael thinks it's just because he took advantage of the free first class that he wasn't <laughs> supposed to be in. He was He's, so apologetic. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's like, so all that stuff is actually pretty funny and well executed in this one, all the uh, mistaken identity things. Walk quickly. They already know you're here. Hey, what are you doing? David Richardson, British Intelligence. Oh, shit. Listen, somebody gave me that first class ticket. I, Michael Corbin, you want to sit there? Right now. I didn't even eat dinner. Oh, run! 
drink. I, I had the lobster, and I did drink the champagne. No, I, I had some champagne. I think I already on Chris, mate. I fell asleep during the movie. All right, so I there's not a pool in this one, but there is a giant vat of, of boiling gold, gold that yes. they have a, a fight on when it gets frozen with nitrogen. It was very and pretty damn sure the ending of Terminator 2 they got from this movie. Yes. They yes. stole from it. I seriously think they it's may the have. Same thing. It's crazy. So with that said, let's get out of the molten gold. Stranko, get the fuck out of here. All right, for the final pool check of the season, I always look forward to this, will be, it's a pool party. Hello. Hi. So, uh, we heard that you're having a pool party. Mind if we come? Sure. You can bring your brothers and sisters, too. Everyone can come. Cool. I think this is the fourth time we've done this. So basically, we take the year that our movie was released. We have to create a, uh, a narrative, essentially, where we pick a universe, an outfit, drinks, a car, a date, a band, and a movie based on the time prior to the movie was released. Yes. It'll make more sense when we've done it, when we do it, if you haven't heard us do one before. The last time we did one, it was fantastic. It, it was, was really good. Kalanich and Shane, and uh, just because... <laughs> Shane picked Caddyshack universe, but then Ghostbusters like clothes. Yeah, it's crazy. They're at Bushwood with Real their proton funny. packs. Did you want to go first or would you like me to? You go. Okay. My universe. Dick Tracy. Nice. I'm a hard boiled detective in a comic book world. That's not quite realistic. So there's villains with all sorts of junk on their faces. I like that. That's really cool. So I'm going to do something a little different, kind of on the same vein. I'm taking the universe of, it's kind of a duel. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, perfect. So you got the real, you got the fantasy. And then every now and then you're like, that Jessica Rabbit's hot, but I shouldn't be feeling like I'm feeling. That universe is crazy because it's like. That movie scared the shit out of it me as a movie kid. terrified, but it's literally like something, all the crossover of characters they got, it just could never happen again. No, you couldn't. And it was ahead of its time. Look how great it still looks. Outfit. So I'm a detective. All right. So I'd want to be dapper with a nice button up shirt, slacks, suspenders, leather gun holster, maybe a nice hat. Okay. But I'd look like an asshole because I can't revisit the early 90s with wearing basketball sneakers from the golden age of shoe design. Ooh. Jim, I could have even went with your grail, Michael Chang's Reebok Court oh. Victory Pump. Victory Pump 2s. I could go with the basketball version of the Reebok Pump Omnilite. Ooh. But... I'm going with the Nike Air Trainer SC2, better known as the Bo Jacksons. Those are great. So a, it's like a weird trainer that's got a strap on top of the laces that makes no sense. And it's got like this high top booty inside a mid-height sneaker. So the shoe's actually like a mid-height, but it's got like this internal sock yep. boot thing that's yep. like high. The strap's at like the end of the laces that it doesn't actually tighten anything. No. It's like it's just... It's a waist. Yeah. So, but it's a cool shoe so i'd look like a fucking asshole wearing slacks <laughs> button down hat and fucking bo jackson's so if i'm gonna stick with the who framed roger abbey universe i do not want to dress up like bob hoskins i just don't i'm gonna look yeah. schlubby so i'm gonna go back to a movie we did all the way back i think in season one i want to dress like tom cruise as he was the bartender in cocktail but on oh, the beach yeah. 
So I want a casual like polo shirt button down, show my little taco meat chest hair stick out a little bit. Nice white shorts, but not below the knee. But I'm going to add a little shoe flavor for you. Back in the day, my mom would go to Ryers. It used to be, well, now it's an Eastwood mall, which is weird, but it was an outlet shoe store in Sharon. My mom would go there and get me Jordans because they were cheaper, like wholesaler. Perfect. Sometimes my mom couldn't afford the new Jordan. So, or Reeboks, she wouldn't buy me because they were too wide and they wouldn't fit my foot right. My mom was a stickler about shoe measurements. My mom one time, because I wanted the Reebok pumps, but they were too expensive and they were wide, bought me a pair of white, blue, and yellow LA Gear Regulator Ooh. Pump. Now, a lot of people shit on LA Gears because it was the cheap Reebok because they had their own yeah. pump. Well, they had the Reebok black tops. I fucking yes. loved, but the LA Gear, LA Gear had that braided leather side on yes. them. Yes. Yep. But what's cool about the regulator pump, unlike the Reebok pump, which is basically, it took the center part of the, what's that top part of the shoe called again? Why can't I remember it? The sock, uh, not the sock, the part that sticks up, you pull it. The tongue? Thank you. That's the word I couldn't fucking figure we're, out. We're having a rough one. <laughs> we're having a rough one. But the LA gear regulator pump was the size of the whole tongue. Yeah, yeah. And it was a half basketball thing. I love my LA gears. Yeah. Drinks. Ooh. I feel like a detective needs a signature drink. I like to think I'd be a little quirky. I mean, obviously having the dapper suit with Bo Jackson's. Yeah. So my signature drink will be a mojito. Ooh. It just sounds funny to see like this grizzled detective who's like dapper with Bo Jackson's go up to the bar and say a mojito, please. You know, a drink garnished with mint at the muddled mint. And it just, you'd look like an asshole. So basically yeah. in this universe, I'm a fucking asshole. Yes. I'm wearing Bo Jackson's with like a suit and, and I'm drinking mojitos. So is I'm going to be dual human, dual animated human in the human real world, I would go for a pina colada. But as I go into the animated world to go after my bad guy, that animated pina colada becomes a pina colada with a hamburger shoved in it. <laughs> what? what? A pina colada with a hamburger? It's what happens in an animated world. You get whatever you want. I feel like I've probably been drunk and fucking opened up my hamburger and poured a pina colada on it. Do you, do you imagine how much? And I was thinking about this the other night because I was watching Bar Rescue with my dad. And they made a Bloody Mary with a hamburger slider on top as a garnish, which is weird. A hamburger slider is a garnish. It is a garnish. That's insane. There's like celery, a hamburger slider. My dad's like, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> He's like, I need the shit out of that if uh, I was we drunk. Garnish, we garnish Gar each. Garnish? <laughs> garnish. <laughs> what would you like as a garnish? <laughs> we garnish <sighs> each Bloody Mary with six chicken fingers. Car, I could go with the standard and say a Ford Interceptor or Crown Vic. Chevy Caprice, Crown Vic. I'm going to go Jeep Wagoneer, probably not brand new. So they ran from 1962 to 1991. I'll probably specifically go 1984 Grand Wagoneer when they Whoa. were when they were built by AMC before they switched over for Chrysler. Yeah, and then Chrysler built the rest of them. Okay, so for my car, this has to cross two universe threshold. Give me a piece of shit 1984 Ford Mustang, which are the ugliest yeah. as sin cars ever. Sin However, Cara. that's right. Best WWF shirt ever because it looks like his penis is completely out. Your car. Google image your shirt. As I cross over into the animated world, my piece of shit 1984 Ford Mustang with a four cylinder capable of only about 160 horsepower. It becomes the car that was used in the NBC television show Viper becomes a Dodge Viper which is technically not really a Viper. Really? Yes. How? Oh, how crazy. That's a lie. Next. <laughs> 
So we uh, we do dates next. When we do the pool party, again, as I mentioned earlier, I like to frame mine as a narrative. I could just list these things, but I like to create a little story in my mind of how they all come together. So I'm out as a detective. I'm trying to chase down the junk face villains. I cross paths with a detective who has also been chasing down the same leads. So we basically compare notes and she teaches me a few things because she's a bit older. She's been doing it longer and she's going to show me around a little bit. It's Susan Sarandon. Oh, nice. So with my girl, you'd think late 80s, early 90s, the ultimate for me by far was Elizabeth Shue. However, when I think of who frames Roger Rabbit, that is just draw, draw and jaw droppingly (laughs) gorgeous. I'm going to take Emma Sam's from dynasty Whoa. <laughs> i was like where is this going i was like yeah emma thompson no. or emma sam's from dynasty was gorgeous okay yeah. I, i'm not familiar curveball i trust you so me and uh, sarandon are following a lead that takes us into a club and this is the band portion yes. so uh we're following one of the junk face villains into a club aerosmith are performing nice. our old friends from the podcast uh season one you'll hear us bring up aerosmith all the time uh i I think we end up chasing someone out of there in a hurry while JD got a gun plays. Okay. So Aerosmith. So when people think of the world that we're creating, it's going to have some sort of like goofy songs, maybe, I don't know, something uh, cliche. Rick Astley at this time. I'm not going with Rick Astley. At this time, Emma Sams and I, I'm looking like a cool ass bartender. I got my LA gear regulators. I got my 84 Mustang to becomes two different cars in the animated world. We are going to hear the one, the only boy meets girl waiting for a star to fall. Which that song was written while they were at a Whitney Houston concert. So waiting for a star to fall, you can write a song. That's going to be great. And it's going to be this weird meta story. After we solve the crime, so we follow, you know, we go in the chase, we solve the crime. After the commotion dies down, we go back to my building, we put a movie on. We talked about it last week. We're putting on 1989's Batman starring Michael Keaton. Hell yes. So we solve the crime. Me and Sarandon are going to catch Party Man and the Joker and Bob the Joker's goon. Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. So me and Emma, after a long night of detectiving, kicking some ass, taking some aims, going to kick our feet up on the fire, on the fireplace. (laughs) We're going to kick our feet up in the fire. We're going to kick our feet up in front of the fireplace and we're going to put on, it's 1991. It's her new movie, Delirious with John Candy. It has a Prince song. Yes. Yeah. Opens with the Prince song. Guys, if you've never seen Delirious, it is an amazing movie ahead of its time. Let's cover that. That's a great one. Love it. John, we've never done John Gandy on the podcast. Which is nuts, isn't it? That's, we gotta fix that. Yes. Back in the molten gold. Everybody, back in! Colvin, we thought you'd quit on us. Come on, Richardson, I was forced to make that phone call at gunpoint. You didn't really fall for that, did you? Where are you, Colvin? I'm on my way to Orenburg. Listen, this may sound crazy, but Stranko is the assassin. Killed those guys to get control over the gold. Don't be ridiculous, Corbin. We can't accuse the chairman of the European Common Market of both attempting to murder his colleagues and pull off the biggest robber in history. Augustus Taranko is our friend. The concept is mind-boggling. Well, then boggle on. I'm on your mission, remember? Man's mad. And if he's not. All right. We teased it earlier. Favorite Bond movie. 
for our critical question this week. I have a couple that stood out for me, but if I had to pick one gun to my head, I would have to select three days of the Condor with Robert Redford. A lot of people aren't familiar with this movie. I ended up watching it in college for one of my classes. He's a CIA analyst. He works in his townhouse, but it's, it's, of course, That's they're not not a Bond movie, huh? It's not a Bond movie. But is it? Are we? Oh, we're, wait. I'm literally saying oh, a straight. Bond movie. But no, let's hear about. I would love to hear about this. Okay. I've never seen. I'll it. pick a Bond movie after this. I thought you meant Bond type. No, of I movie. just literally mean your favorite James okay. Bond. Movie. So this movie came out, I believe. In I'm 19- like buying into this, and I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I've seen all the Bond movies, but I don't think. No, I'll pick a Bond movie after this. Robert Redford plays a CIA analyst. He goes out to lunch one day to find his entire crew has been murdered. He's the only one that didn't get killed, and Max von side in it who's a tremendous oh, actor fantastic. so he's hunting them down he ends up taking Faye Dunaway hostage and hiding out at her place you know everybody he calls is dead so he has nobody to turn to and his hostage ends up becoming his go-to person he ends up you know winning the day but nice. it's a great movie well I'll say non-bond movie I'd say I really like Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy that's a good one it's like a very um almost like methodical like more yeah. realistic spy type movie but my favorite bond movie i said last week i like fun campy bond with gadgets yes so i say maybe octopussy that's a great one we have roger moore in a bunch of disguises he's a clown a circus knife thrower a latin colonel i literally isn't he an alligator he is he dresses as an alligator yep, in does. this movie and then Maud adams who is in another bond movie as a different character is octopussy she's a fucking badass she's awesome and the movie is named after her, which is super cool. It's a weird one. It's like a cult movie. It's almost yeah. like stands out in such a weird way. And I wish that they bring this back to Bond. Ro- all of Roger Moore's Bond movies are great. Octopussy, the man with the golden gun, because you have Hervé Velasquez, the plane, the yeah. plane. You have him, Ricardo Montalban, then Moonraker. He's in fucking yeah. space with Jaws. Oh, Moonraker's awesome. And you can't forget the last movie that Roger Moore didn't want to do because like, I'm too old to be Bond. They forced him into it anyways. A View to a Kill, which which yeah. has Duran Duran as the theme song, which is fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, you basically just nailed the type of Bond movie yeah. I like. Yeah. It's that Roger Moore era and shit. The one I like is Lays and Bees One Off. Yeah. A lot of people shit on it. And then I finally sat down and watched it within the first 15 minutes of the movie before the credits. He breaks a fourth wall. His wife gets killed. Yeah. He's more of a human James Bond, which they were going to go further with George Lazenby, but he's kind of said we no. We didn't do any uh, Bond rankings or anything, but I, it's a little sad. It's the era of the movies they were, but the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies are really not good. GoldenEye is pretty good. but it's the- a GoldenEye game for 64 <laughs> is awesome. But, but I would say like Tomorrow Never Dies was a good, Die Another Day wasn't good. No. no. I, I don't like Pierce Brosnan as Bond. Timothy Dalton never really got a fair shake his no, two movies no, weren't bad well and then with daniel craig they really wanted to go back focusing on like there's prequels yeah well right but they wanted to go back with daniel craig to saying like bond is kind of like a notch above yes a normal human you yes. know what i mean he is like bigger stronger faster yeah. you know cannot die sort of well cannot die yeah. sort of thing but and now we'll see we'll see what the next round holds. well the crazy thing like about the timothy dalton was the Living Daylights was originally written to be Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Those were going to be his two movies, but yeah. he was doing Remington Steel at right. the time and right. could not get out of it, yeah. which is nuts if you think about it, because I used to watch Remington Steel. Yeah. Good show. Somebody that's never going to be Bond is David McCall. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Hey, how you doing there, pussy? You want to... <laughs> <laughs> Shaking, not stirred. <laughs> Didn't have to be like this. Give me the goddamn martini. What do you say, huh? 
All right. I'll, I've started with everything else. I'll start the logic. <laughs> uh, again, I want to say the script does a pretty good job, and I, I like to credit Fred Decker, in yeah. explaining some of the logic. Like, the mistaken identity, it's like the premise of this movie is so ridiculous. A high school kid is mistaken for a CIA, like, top-of-the-line operative, but... They literally explain that it's because Agent Michael Corbin's identity is so classified that no one knows what he looks like. Which blows my mind. Yeah, it does. Come on. But at least they explain it. So right off the bat, we mentioned it earlier. Combat condoms. Yes. Excuse me, I'll be right back. Oh. Yeah, boy. I'll be right there. Where are you? Uh... So in the Areola Canasta hotel bedroom scene, she is trying to seduce him. In actuality, she's trying to kill him with a scorpion. I don't know how that works, but he goes to the bathroom and he looks, okay, I don't know what kind of hotel this is. Maybe a rich hotel. I don't yeah, stay at that many rich hotels. Very affluent. But when I go to a rich hotel, you can't really open the mirror, but if you could, I would be very surprised if there was a Pogs tube full of condoms <laughs> in the mirror cabinet. A secured Pogs yes, tube. Yes, and then they're combat condoms, so you have to open them with a can opener. It comes with this little key yeah. And you have to like peel the top back almost like an old school tuna fish can. It makes absolutely no sense why they were like, he needs to go to the bathroom and get a condom. Why don't we put the condoms in metal canisters in a pogs tube? And then the reason he doesn't see that she's battling a scorpion is because he's trying to get this condom open. Meanwhile, he's and in why would you make a condom harder to open? When people want to put a condom on, it's exactly. usually in a hurry. First off, set the scene. Greco, tidy whities The scene at the end, right before she finally bites it, she's literally knees on the bed, hands behind her back, moaning. He's like, yeah. oh my God, he can't get these fucking condoms off, which is fucking crazy. So my first one is, I kind of did this in like sequential order. The first part of this movie, a dude gets his hand caught in ATV and proceeds to drive off with the ATV. I don't know how that's possible. There's no blades on the end of a or the back of an ATV. Somehow he gets caught holding onto an ATV and it pulls him away. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, let go. That's all you gotta do. Let fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> Corbin's friend. I can't even remember his best friend. I don't name. know. I he's kept calling him the, Doobie. Yeah, I don't know he's why. He's going on a French trip with. He loses his hat out the window of the French bus. Look at that babe. Can't you stop looking at babes? Oh my God. It's Michael Corbin. And I was waiting. I was like, he's going to have that hat in the next scene. Because you see, you literally see him like. I think it was a Detroit Tigers hat. They see hat. Corbin and they're like, Corbin! And they're yelling out the window. And I'm like, okay, this dude's going to have his hat back in the next scene. Like, yeah. continuity issue. He doesn't. So I appreciate that. But not long after he loses his hat, he drinks shaving cream and beard hair out of a McDonald's cup. You are so gross. Oh, God. Which made me wretch. While he's on the bus, apparently they're not stopping at hotels or anywhere to stay. He's a high school student. I didn't really 
shave like with a razor in high school like no. that but he's shaving his beard into a drink cup from yes, a McDonald's. like a large mcdonald's cup yeah and he's shaving and rinsing it in the mcdonald's cup and then i'm pretty sure the girl he has a crush on before he even drinks it she said oh that's gross yeah she and says, then he drinks she it. says oh that's gross takes a drink a fucking beard hair, and hair. shaving cream <laughs> What is wrong with and him? And he no-sells it. He no-sells it, and then he ends up getting her in the end. Corbin, Michael, Corbin. Ken, man. Thank you, Michael. Yes. So, I mean, I guess she's impressed. But even before that, he fucking violated her. He started kissing her while she was sleeping. I forgot about that. <laughs> like a fucking asshole. Deshaun Watson, man. Very much. So my next one, and this drove me nuts so they're in the airport he's waiting there to get his ticket all of a sudden you hear the pa phone call for michael corbin the michael corbin goes into this booth the actual michael corbin intelligent agent michael yeah, corbin he's terrible before he gets killed via vacuum dart i think in the phone booth all of a sudden you hear it, michael corbin call it's in the first class lounge how does he get access to the first class phone when the other one already has access to the first class lounge phone that is, jim that is genius how Exactly. I he have just, no idea. He just picked that. First off, how did his mom wire into the actual first class lounge phone and British intelligence just went to a fucking phone who was out in a mezzanine in a normal airport? That's a good, that, that's a good question. Thank you. High school Corbin, he freezes the liquid gold with liquid nitrogen, which he handles with his bare hands. Yeah. He no just problem. takes a, a hose with liquid nitrogen and sprays it on the gold, which I don't know the science. Any scientist listeners out there, would this, would molten gold be hotter than liquid nitrogen or would, would liquid nitrogen actually freeze? Because what happens is it freezes the gold, but then it starts to crack like ice. Yeah. And then there's still molten gold under the frozen gold and then dumb terminator puts his terminator hand in it and then <laughs> skynet doesn't happen judgment day doesn't happen yeah. and the world is okay so another thing that i don't get and i brought up earlier the x-ray glasses the x-ray oh specs. my god so when he goes into british intelligence headquarters the one woman who basically is q no way x-ray specs of course x-rays are impervious to lead Of course. May I? Oh. You're such a boy, Derek. My, my. Gives him x-ray glasses. Yeah, x-ray glasses, gum that explodes. Yes. The whole... Suction shoes, which the suction shoes make, straight out of Goonies make no sense. Yeah. Because wouldn't you have to hold the suction while you were on them? You would think so. Because otherwise, how would you become unsucked exactly. to take the next step? And then even the suction shoe falls off and goes, oh, you better not get any yeah. weight there, Colbin. The one thing I don't get about these x-ray specs, x-rays... As you know, yes. you're able to see bones. Yes. It should go through everything. Right. Now, these specs. It literally. Just <laughs> removes clothing. Just clothing. That's it. He tries to look at the Q equivalent. Yeah. But she puts like a, a shield in front of her, a clipboard or something. Uh, she, she stands in front of a lead vest. Yeah. But. What's the guy's name? Dexter Midway. I don't remember. <laughs> Dexter Midway. That's his fucking I don't name. Know. The British intelligence guy literally gets a. Oh, yeah. oh dear. So my biggest complaint with the 3D glasses again is he's playing poker. He's or not poker. He's banco. Banco. He's now backed himself into this horrendous corner, yeah. and he's bet like it's a hundred thousand dollars or it's, something. It's everything. He's bet everything. He needs an eight. I can't play without my glasses. He pulls out sunglasses. <laughs> Wow. 
Your bet. Puts them on for maybe 15 seconds, takes them off, sees that it's an eight. Wouldn't everybody at the table be like, what is this guy's malfunction? He First put off, on sunglasses for 15 seconds? He'd see right through the fucking table. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're x No, he sees through just to see the top card. Oh, my God. The techno, it's insane. Yeah, it's ridiculous. My favorite piece of logic from this movie. Michael Corbin finds out on stage at graduation that he's not graduating. They attach it via staple into his diploma. Those diplomas are props. Yeah. They do not give you your real diploma nope. on stage at graduation. They do not. They send he it to you in the mail. While he's still on stage, unrolls this diploma that's basically like, you fucked up. It's like a post-it note that says you didn't graduate. First of all, you wouldn't be even at ceremony. No, exactly. You know yeah. that. You know that before. And again, he did not. Like, yeah. It's insane. It's insane you that he drop finds that out. Bombshell. And then he goes home and his parents are basically like, his mom is okay this? with it. Yeah, right. And they're like, how do we fix this or whatever? And then I, isn't it his mom or dad that calls the French teacher that allows him to go on this trip to fix it? The thing that I don't get is his dad seems so disappointed with him, but he loves him so much that he will give him the $300 per day to go to Paris. Yes. And he's fine with it. He gives him a big hug at the airport. I love it. Yeah. Roger Daltrey is Agent Blade at the beginning. Pointless. It's not a good agent. He's horrible. He's outed by a snowman with binocular camera eyes. Yes. And then he's killed by Ilsa Grunt without a fight. Yeah. He comes in and she just like. Necklace whip. Flawless, vi like flawless yeah. victory. Finish him. <laughs> flawless victory. Fatality. Is he worse than the real Michael Corbin? The real Michael Corbin He's gets idiot. also killed by Elsa Grant at the airport. He seems like a worthless agent. Yeah. And the real Michael Corbin's head is on the flight attendant cart. So Ilsa Grant tries to push this flight attendant cart. In the incinerator. And the other flight attendant's like, where are you going with that? She's yeah. like, this is disgusting. But Michael Corbin, Agent Michael Corbin's head is on this cart. Did she cut him off in the airport in like a telephone stall? This is what I don't get to. The other stewardess is able to somehow boss around yeah. a woman that has killed multiple people yeah. and force her into servitude. On an American Airlines flight. So weird. So I just, I'm like, Ilsa Grunt had to cut him into pieces. She had to have. This is her last resort. Yeah. Suffocation. No bleeding. No Don't uh, give a fuck. They're... <laughs> I cut my arm. They're away. getting Mike all loaded up on champagne before his plane even takes off. They don't cart him. They don't that. question that he's a high school student. They get this dude trashed in first yeah. class. He's literally a high school kid on a French trip. Now, not to say that when he gets to France, he could probably drink legally. Yeah, he's 18. But on the airplane, they're just like feeding the kid You want to know why they didn't cart him? Because he fucking doesn't look 18. Yeah, he looks 26. He looks, he looks 26. Feed us booze. Yeah. Get us laid. What is the legacy of this movie? I'd say none. <laughs> it's the Richard Grieco spy movie. Thank I love you, it. HBO. I love it. That's the legacy. Yeah, I agree. They didn't remake and they haven't talked about it. You know, we found out in the past, either Alex Winter or Howard Stern seemingly yeah. bought the rights to every movie. But in this one, nobody's bought the rights to If Looks Could Kill. Which and, uh, I'm fine with. But they did yeah. make, and TJ brought it up, like Austin Powers movies. As far as like the spy parody, James Bond knockoff type thing, like Austin Powers probably one killed whimsical bond and two probably killed making any more like spy movie parody i hate the fact that they did multiple of those movies the first one awesome powers 
fine. They didn't need to do two other ones. It's ridiculous to me. All right, stick around for some social media plugs. I haven't actually seen any of the lighting moves yet, so it's like going to be new to me. I'll probably be playing half the show like this. Wow, look, look at that. You see that move? <laughs> you know, but we have, you know, the main focus has always been on the band. So we do have some really great lighting effects and uh, a little bit of pyro, but just that accent what we're doing. You know, we know it's not like one flash pot after another. Uh, you know, it's just made to enhance. And then plus the fact we're, we're doing a, we'll probably be doing a couple of uh, older songs of ours and of Sammy's that we haven't done before. So that's nothing added, added surprise. Van Halen will play Pittsburgh Star Lake Amphitheater on Tuesday night. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all, at Pool Scene Pod 1. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to Kevin. Vuelta Final Chico. All right, I've been saving something for uh, the final, final lap of the season. Something that happened in 1999 that was so well tailored for social media, but social media didn't exist yet. Not yet. Maybe live journal existed, but not in the form it is today. Male supermodel Fabio, who by that time I don't think was getting much modeling work. Just no. doing, I can't believe it's not butter commercials. He went to Bush Gardens in Virginia for some PR for a new roller coaster. <laughs> The coaster was called Apollo's Chariot, and they must have thought Fabio looks like a Greek god or something. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why out of like anyone, they were like Fabio. I mean, he's a handsome son of a bitch. Sure. So again, I don't know why Fabio, honestly, but they got Fabio to ride the first ever ride. First row. on In the first row on Apollo's chariot, Michael Anthony. So pretty simple. <laughs> son of a bitch. The, the camera's got some footage of Fabio riding the coaster. And of course, all the boys want to be Fabio. It'll make them want to ride Apollo's chariot, apparently. Dude, I was waiting line for this other ride and i was like oh my god is that fabio i gotta ride apollo's chariot right so except when going down the first drop fabio's face who's in the first row collides with a goose with a fucking big ass goose so fabio has to complete the near three minute ride with goose blood and who knows what other viscera on his face <laughs> the video of him slowly coming back into the station so imagine the people in the queue waiting to ride apollo's chariot and see someone coming back with a blood-soaked face like what happens on this coaster first off we need to break this down the, the video only shows him in the station it doesn't show the contact going up the first hill and then coming back into station he's a fucking bloody mess first off this goose if that kind of speed 
If he hit it tap dead center, that goose should have blown to hell. Like Randy Johnson throwing the baseball. There should have been shrapnel all over those models and him. Okay, so there's four seats across yes. on the train. Ten rows deep, maybe. Yeah. There was a 25% chance or less that it hit Fabio. Because if you take only the four seats in the front row, it could have hit any of those three women. But Or it could have flew through the seats and hit someone else. But somehow, hits Fabio. The odds are so tap crazy. dead center. And again, did any of the shit fly back? Those women had to be traumatized to this day. I'm, I'm telling you. Have you ever seen a small goose? It's so funny when he pulls in because he's got the fucking blood all over his face. Yeah. And the one woman's just like smiling and tapping him on the shoulder. Yeah. And he's like, he looks pissed. Uh, wouldn't you uh, be? No. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, your future is your face. It's so how, what the, the odds of that happening. And again, the people waiting in the queue, like, Jesus, what happened? Why is this guy have a super bloody face? I'm good. I'm going to get I waited beer. four hours for this. I want to write a book about this incident since it couldn't have its glory on social media. But what I really, really want is all modern roller coasters, and they did it this time. They've got the photo opportunity. Oh, hell yeah. The photo opportunity oh. of, you know, you on the coaster. We, you've got a bunch upstairs hanging on your door. Yeah. I want the photo of Fabio's blood-soaked before disaster with the goose. I want that to be the cover of the book. You know how they normally will take row after row, the row all the way up? I would love it if all of a sudden you see the goose come into the frame and then the row, <laughs> the row behind it, you see basically the upper part of Fabio's face and you just oh see my explosion. God, so funny. Oh, my God. I wish... I mean, he did like a little interview about it, but didn't really elaborate much. Yeah. I just want to know what happened to this fucking goose. Yeah. Jesus. It had to have died, right? I mean, you got to figure he probably smacked it going at least 65 miles an hour with his face. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine being a child? And this was going to be your first roller coaster you ever rode. You uh, see Fabio with the destroyed face. I wonder if it's ever happened again. It had to have. I mean, look how big these well, coasters are. Here at Mill Creek Park, we have a very large metro park in the Youngstown area. Mill Creek Park. They fucking poisoned the geese, which. Yeah. Everybody was up in arms about, but I guess this is not making it better, but I guess it's pretty common practice at Metro parks because they affect the, uh, the climate for other animals and Shit stuff everywhere. Yeah. So they like euthanized the geese. So I wonder if after the Fabio goose incident, they like euthanized. they were like, all right, Bush gardens fucking done. No more geese. Cause you imagine I'm assuming what Fabio if the beak hit him. Oh, it would have taken out his eye. What a season, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> How was your uh, concert? Dude, it was really awesome. I've never been to the Roxian before. Let me tell anybody that wants to go see a band there. My girlfriend bought tickets to sit up in the balcony. And the problem is up in the balcony, the leg room is non-existent. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. But if you go to see a band there, get general admission. You walk in, kind of floored, and there's like the audiovisual pit, big bar. Just chill out there, and, and there's like a smaller pit. Plus, they have this thing up above the balcony. It's a skybox. You can go up there. You can eat, drink. You have tables. Do it that way, because we kind of wish we would have just done GA. Mm -hmm. But went to go see The Midnight. It was my first first ever synthwave concert dude awesome this band is so cool to watch live very interactive band very grateful type band too which i appreciate they didn't sell out the roxy in which it's not that big of a venue kind of small i thought it'd be the size of the agora in cleveland if any of you have ever been there but it's way smaller than the agora so yeah midnight were an awesome band i can't wait to go see him again awesome show all right well that's exciting except i went the fucking back way through pittsburgh into i thought we were going to enter kennywood territory because i'm looking around i'm like abandoned warehouse abandoned this abandoned that because 
when Kevin and I brought this up on the podcast, we went to Kennywood. It's the worst scenery you could ever see it's, at it's, a theme park. You look like their photos, their marketing materials are so misleading because. Oh. Every view of that park is like nuclear power plant. You're you're encompassed by hills and then abandoned factories it's everywhere. Smog and smoke and like it is just bleak and dreadful. I and wish gray. they could like take Phantom's Revenge and put it in a park where it'd be better appreciated. I it's so weird to me that there's a park right next to like the scenery. I mean, yeah, there are parks. I mean, we're like roller coaster people, but there are like parks that are. Um, you know, next to farmland. Yeah. And like not much to look at, but no. not power plants. Yeah. Tell you me know, about there it. There are. Uh, it's like the Beijing Olympics at Kennywood. Yeah. there. It's, I don't know. It's Weird. bad. Well, we're wrapping up the season. Next season, we will be continuing our uh, season debut with a 1994 Best Picture candidate. Yes. We've already done Shawshank Redemption. Yes, we have. Pulp Fiction. You want to go ahead and announce what the season premiere is going to be? Yeah, then? it's going to be Quiz Show. Show, yes. which i have not seen in some time excellent movie based on real events yeah so that's gonna be really good yeah, i have not seen quiz show in some time so that will be our debut to season nine and then season nine is gonna have episode 100 that's right we're gonna do something special something we've been meaning to get to something we we've kind of said for the longest time yeah we'll get to it when we can all the way back in season one and i, I think that'll be episode 100 if we get I think to it's it, time if we get to it but i also want to let you pool seniors know this coming monday as we're recording it this is march the 23rd so we will release this if looks can kill the season finale then you will get a another remastered episode of episode number two which is dazed and confused cleaned up the audio added some stuff so it's going to be a remaster and then the week after that will be quiz show season nine episode one so that's how we're going to do it all right pool seniors thank you so much for being along the journey with us jumping off the high dive head first damn straight and spending all this time with jim and i on mondays or whenever you listen yes and we will see you slava crime next season until then silencia i'm here today um just to say you know it's like it was a miracle but uh it wasn't a freak accident and it's gonna happen again and you know i cannot live with my conscience no then the ride is still running. And maybe, you know, a person or even a child can be killed. Oh, yeah.